0: Hello and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast. Today you are in for a real treat. This was one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded and it's coming as episode 99, which means 100 is next week. So thank you for your listenership. Today we talk about empathy and all the impacts it has and the science behind it. It's a really powerful episode. I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Have a magical week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast. Today, we are talking about empathy, and I've got some great people to discuss it with. So let's find out who they are and how they're going. We might kick off with uh, John. John, how has your week been?
1: Uh, It's been very busy, Jess. So yeah, looking forward to another few hours of work and then uh, winding down for a weekend. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful.
0: (laughs) Well, hopefully it's a good relaxing weekend after such a busy week. Uh, So anyway, thanks for being on and taking the time, John. Great to see you again. (laughs) Alan, how are you going? Alan's on the call, looking fresh as well.
2: Thanks, Jess. Yeah, going well. We've had an interesting week where we're all recovering from COVID now. We're just about to come out of isolation. and It was kind of nice to see that it wasn't as bad as all the the story in my head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is good to hear. Good to hear and good to see you on the podcast as well. The, he, he can't be stopped. The man's out here doing physical labor. He's recovering <laughs> and he's looking fresh and he's doing podcasts as well. He's everywhere. So great to have you on, Alan. <laughs> Thanks,
3: Jess. <laughs> you rock, Al.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and Danette, how are you going? We have no Graham today. Maybe do you want to touch on what's happening at the moment with Graham?
3: Yeah, so um, Graham's just in the doctors having um, them check his eyes to see how, um, how it's repairing itself. So hopefully he will join us at some stage. Um, anyway, it seems like it's going okay, so we'll, we'll find out and hopefully he'll be able to share. And my week's been super busy, it had lots of workshops, lots of meetings, but I was just telling these guys that um, I just was listening to Dr James Rouse on a... Um, Webinar that is for an event called Epic, uh, which is in Canada. And one of the um, things, a couple of things he said that I'd love to share before we start. And first one was if you are trying to fit in with a group, then you never really will belong to that group. So if you're not showing your true self, you're never actually going to get that full sense of belonging. And I think when we get to empathy, part of being empathetic is that belonging. And um, the other thing you talked about, oh, here comes Graham now actually, is um, drop your ego and raise your soul. How beautiful is that? So I like those. those. Those were two of the beautiful takeaways from that.
0: So today I wanted to talk about empathy. And the reason that I wanted to talk about it was because I was listening to another podcast and I found out a really, really cool fact. Um, And the podcast was the politicology podcast. And it was uh, an episode that featured someone called Celeste Headley. And uh, what she revealed was that when scientists did an experiment that uh, was a girl telling a story of how she had a really bad prom and uh, they stuck her and the person she was talking to on fMRI machines, when the person was engaged and listening both of their brainwaves actually synced up. So as they were empathizing, their brainwaves actually synced up uh, in the machine, which is amazing. So it's good to know that uh, there's sort of that level of connection that people can have. But I guess that sparked us to think about empathy could be a really interesting uh, topic to talk about because it obviously has some amazing powers. Uh, So I just thought I'd kick it off uh, with some things that may limit our empathy. And I thought... I might just go around the room and ask people, and I might start with you here, John. What factors can limit our empathy?
1: So for me, there were two things that, that came to mind. One is our own sense of social isolation, that if you know if we're isolating, we're not going to be able to engage with anyone, and whether it's empathising with them or or having a conversation with them. But yeah, where are we in terms of, where am I in terms of my own social isol- isolation? Um, the other thing was not being not being able to relate. Um, so you know, you like you have your kids talk to you at various times, and especially in their teenage years, where they think they're hip and cool, and you know it's all new and stuff, and they're talking about stuff you've got no idea about. Um, and so, just not being able to relate to to someone is another reason why you know we may not have that em- empathy for them. So those were my two things that came to mind for me. Mm.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that, and I think uh, it's definitely something that's constantly happening with young people. Even I'm—I've completely lost what's going on, uh, and I'm only twenty-seven. I've got no idea what's going on uh, anymore. So,
1: yeah,
0: so well. <laughs> I know, I know. I need to get that cane out soon and <laughs> start hobbling <laughs> around. <laughs> Thanks for that, John. Uh, great insight, Alan. What are some factors that can limit our empathy? Great question, Jesu. I Relate
2: to what John's saying about in having a similar experience to the other person. And I guess what came up for me was empathy, when I'm being empathetic, it's all about the other person. And it's not me saying, I know how you feel. Because I know, you know. I've seen people say, lose their pet, for example. And to me, that's a five out of 10, where I've seen other people lose their pet, and that's a 10 out of 10 for them. And I kind of like what you were saying about the MRI machine that there's so much up there that you know, I reckon I don't even know yet in you know, what has been quite a logical world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And I guess that's also totally a, a great point is that, yeah, different things can affect people totally differently. And so, you yeah, you can just do your best to try and understand, but it can be totally different for some people. So great insight. Thanks for that, Alan. Awesome. Danette, what are some factors that can limit our empathy?
3: So I think one is where we're at in a moment. So if we're tired or stressed, any of those things where we're not present, we're less likely to be empathetic. And I think the other one is, uh, and it comes to Al's point about getting um, to try and understand where they're at. Sometimes, you know, Mostly, we don't like it when we can't fix what's going on for other people. And true empathy requires you to actually sit in that discomfort and not try to fix it for the person, but just to sit with them and be there, you know, through their discomfort um, in a just a really present, loving type of way. And that requires a lot of focus, a lot of energy. But if you do it, it can create magic. So, yeah, it's it, yeah. It takes lots of skill to be uncomfortable in that space.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that's that's also a great uh, lesson because we, th- I guess, we think of empathy as being a positive thing, but it can also be difficult. So, yeah, great point, Dinette. And Graham, do we have you there? Is it? Uh, do you have a an answer for what factors can limit our empathy? Do I have an answer?
4: Uh, Forty-two, Jez, I think is the answer I'm going to go with. Uh, a couple of things come to mind. One is unconscious bias, um, which I think is that sometimes it's just having um, perceptions of others that can prevent that connection. Um, and the unconscious bias is the bigger issue because if we're not aware of it, it can it absolutely affects the level of connection, the depth of the connection we can have with somebody else, um, and also makes it very difficult for us to genuinely try and understand what they're feeling rather than feel what they're feeling doesn't usually work. Um, The other thing that that came to mind was resilience or the way I think about resilience, which is I'm I'm getting coached from the sidelines now, which is really (laughs) we're we're in the same car at the same time and using two different phones. So it's fun. Um, The way I think about resilience is that when we have very little personal resilience, it's also much harder for us to empathise with somebody else because there's a, an, an emotional investment that we have to make. And if we've got, it's literally, it's a giving of, of ourselves to somebody else. It's the way I think of it. So if we have very little resilience, it's a lot harder for us to genuinely empathize with someone else.
0: Mm, and that's an amazing point as well, factoring in something that I would have never even considered resilience as a factor in that. That's a really good point, Graham. I love that. And uh, we have done a podcast on Resilience. So if you need help with that, definitely go back through the archives. You can find that one. Um, but, Graham, your unconscious bias point actually reminded me of something else that I heard. I think it, it may have even been in the same podcast. Uh, and they were talking about how uh, uh, there was a study done and people were looking at people that kind of like looked different from them, whether it was haircut, whether it was tattoos, all these different things that may have separated them some at a superficial level. And uh, basically, people were asked to input, uh, like, uh, do I like this person or not very quickly. So it had to be really snappy. So this photo would flash up and they had to put the input and the next photo. So it's like really, really quick, pumping through them. Um, And one thing that was a factor that would determine if someone thought someone was a good person or not, was if they were informed that this person liked the same sport that they liked, regardless of any other factor that would make them positively align this person. So even things that are that simple you can do that test uh with that fact and that and that fact not being present and it has two different results and it's just even having that small ground of uh connectivity can totally change how we view people so uh yeah i think unconscious bias is something totally to be aware of because sometimes it can be that thin that can change whether we think someone's a good person or not straight away so yeah thanks for that graham Um, All right, well, let's jump on to uh, why we should work on empathy, and I might spin it the other way this time, so we might start with you, Graham. Why is it important to work on empathy?
4: I think if you look at where we're at on planet Earth at the moment as a species, we're very, very broadly speaking, more disconnected than we possibly ever have been. And the one thing that empathy does is that it improves, it drives connection to paraphrase, Brene Brown, uh, I, I, I suspect, I, you know, it feels at the moment like we can all invest a little more time, effort, energy and care in connecting better with others.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a, uh... It's something that technology both helps and hinders in a lot of ways, you know. It's uh it's a bit of both. It's a double-edged sword technology, connecting and also disconnecting. Uh I might jump to you now, Danette. Why should we work on empathy?
3: Sorry, just getting my sound <laughs> my Um so yeah, on sort of going on from Graham's point that when we're empathetic with another person, we build that really rich, deep connection, particularly if they're going through something difficult, for them to know that they've got a safe space, that someone will sit with them in that discomfort, not judge them, not try to fix them, but just be there for them. And, you know, in this this world where we're so disconnected, that is such a human need to have that connection, as Graham said. So... I think, you know, you can't change the world by changing everyone, but you can start by, you know, sitting with someone who needs you to sit there and be present with them. And that has a beautiful ripple effect. So I think from that perspective, it is such a beautiful skill to learn. And I love the brain science you talked about before, Jez, about how we then sync and get each other, but we get each other at that much more deeper and more emotional level which is, again, a beautiful thing in this really busy world. Great question.
0: Yeah, and actually you've reminded me of another thing I think I also heard in that podcast, which is about the disconnection as well and sitting and listening uh, with people is that uh, they were talking about the difference between uh, text uh, just being on a page and someone's talking and saying the exact same thing. The difference that makes in empathy is huge because when it's just text, our brain doesn't necessarily recognise it as human it just recognizes it as a bit of information. Whereas if someone just reads the exact same thing, it adds a human element and it's uh, it can totally change how people receive that information. So that's why sometimes the internet can get a bit wild with so much text-based conversation. But uh, we tend to have better conversations in these sort of podcast forums, which I'm also very thankful for because I love having these chats with everyone. So thanks for that, Danette. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Alan, why should we work on empathy?
2: Thanks, Jess. I love what Graham was saying about resilience and and building that muscle. To me, that's the first thing that really stood out. As we said in that resilience podcast, resilience is not built on the day when we need it. It's built up slowly over time. And what I'm seeing is once we've got that muscle, we can have so much better relationships. We don't lose it with someone at work and then wonder why people won't stay with us or our partner leaves us and we wonder why. We've built that muscle so we can emphasize with the
0: people around us and you know, stick together in the long run. Mm, I, I, that That's a really good point. I love how you fleshed out that resilience bit and uh, brought back the the other episode. That's awesome, Alan. Yeah, thanks for that. That was uh, a beautiful summary of that resilience podcast. You know, if you don't have the time to go through it, I think that was excellent, Alan. Thanks so much for that one. Thanks, Jess. No problem. John, why should we work on our empathy?
1: Empathy to me, being able to empathize with someone um, promotes a helping type of behavior. And I, you know, very much what Graham was saying about the social connectedness and, and yourself and the others have said about, you know, technology is fantastic, but it disjoints us. Whereas you have that human conversation, you're more likely to engage and you're more likely to help someone. You know, you learn a bit more about them, you become Um, knowledgeable about what they've gone through or some of what they've gone through um, you're more likely to step up and say you know how can I help and it's you know Danette talked about it's not fixing things for others but it's asking that question of what can I do and it may be nothing but what can I do in this in this situation for you to to actually want to get to know you a bit better.
0: I, I love that. That's, uh, that's so true. And I think that that's also such an important part is sometimes doing nothing actually is quite helpful. But you can only know by asking. And I, I love that just sort of, you know, having that better understanding of different things that can be helpful. And I think just off the back of that as well, it also can create better conversations as well. And you can find out more stuff. So great insights, everybody. I've, this has been such a good chat already. I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> all right, let's jump into our final question here which is what makes empathy so powerful? And I might start with you here, John. Um, So yeah, what makes empathy so powerful?
1: It creates that human connection. So, you know, it's that checking in with people. It's that engaging with them on a very different level. It's not a surface level. You're starting to go deeper into, you know, your interaction with them, your relationship with them. Um, And that makes it very powerful that you're actually getting to know someone. Um, or you' you're empathizing with them, you'll be able to sit with them while they go through something and that's a that's a very powerful thing, sharing that with with other people. Mm.
0: Yeah, I love that as well because it, you're so right. It's that deeper connection. It's taking conversations from just informational to finding out about someone else in a conversation. And I think yeah, you're, you're right, that is so powerful. So thanks for that, John. Awesome. Uh, Alan, what makes empathy so powerful?
2: I think John answered the question beautifully there for what was in my mind. Listening to John and picturing it, it breaks that wall down and it kind of goes back to what Danette was saying before. When that wall comes down, that is really scary. And I know for me that urge to fix was me just putting the wall back up when I can leave that wall down and sit in that discomfort and I guess like in my children, letting them know that it's okay to be sad. I don't have to fix sad. To me, that's one of the biggest gifts that we can give to somebody else is
1: to
0: see them as they are with no judgment. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. And actually, um, just before we get onto Danette and Graham, I might even just touch on something that you were just saying, because it's sort of come up a little bit, but I think it's, uh, <laughs> that's all right. Uh, it, it's a thing that's quite important. I think in this whole discussion, which is the discomfort that may come with empathy and, um, if anybody wants to just touch on that quickly, because it's not something I was thinking about at all, but I think it's a really important point. Um, so yeah.
2: I have a great story there, Jez, where I was learning this stuff on a computer. So I had the knowledge, and my daughter went past and sat in the next room crying. And I thought, right, I'm gonna give this a go. So I went in and just sat next to her and I did nothing. The voice in my head was, This is weird. What are you doing? Who are you that just sits next to a child who's crying? And even my daughter looked up after about 30 seconds and said, what are you doing, Dad? And I said, just sitting with you. But the voice in my head was, I've got no idea. 30 seconds later, she looked up at me again and said, Dad, could you take me back to the party? I thought, wow, did that resolve what I thought had to be fixed? And sure enough, a week later, the same thing happened again. Went in and sat next to her. She looked up at me and said, you're weird, Dad. There's no way this is going to work twice. And again, 30 seconds later, she looked up at me and said, I don't know what it is, Dad, but you're the only one I like to have around when I'm sad. You don't try and make me laugh. You don't take me back to the party. And, yeah, I was sold from that moment on.
0: That's, uh, that's beautiful, Alan. That's such a good story. Wow. Thank you for that. That's excellent. And a great example for all of us. I love that. Yeah, thank you so much.
2: Thanks, James.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Danette, what makes empathy so powerful?
3: I think John and Al have pretty much covered it. And Al's beautiful story there, that, that discomfort is that fix-it thing rather than wanting to sit and just be with that person. So, yeah, I, I don't think I've got anything really to add to what John and, and Alice shared. So, thank you. Thank you, guys. It was great answers.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, I, I want to thank everyone so much. This has been such a good episode. I feel like I've really got a lot out of it and such great stuff. Um, Graham, what makes empathy so powerful?
4: Wow. Well, um... Uh, so, John, Al, Danette, thank you. And I just also want to just acknowledge one of the things that you shared before about the, um, the study and, and the brainwave synchronisation between two people who experienced empathy, or one who was, you know, one who was giving it and the other receiving it. Um, <laughs> why is it so powerful? Maybe because it reminds us of what's possible as human beings. Yeah, we talk a lot about wanting to heal the world or fix the world, but we can't do that until we fix the people or heal the people. Sorry, fix is not a good word. Um, Until we help people work out how to heal themselves, and I think one of the ways we can do that is by doing the hard thing, the uncomfortable thing. And yeah, I've I've actually got nothing. I'm just rambling now. I think there's there's been a lot of really really why, as he said already, um, the only thing I just to throw something into the mix was um, a quote from Margaret Mead that was um, never doubt that a small group of concerned citizens can change the world because it's the only thing that ever has, and that sort of goes back to Danette's point before about you know we don't have to save everybody or fix everybody or heal everybody. In fact, we can't do that. All we can do is just make it conscious choice to, to show up differently with one other human being just once and that's a start
0: yeah i i love that and i think um that sort of highlights the i guess the key point that i'm taking away at least which is how much being empathetic is discomfort it's uncomfortable for the person that may be doing it in the short run but it has a longer term positive effect on both you and the other person. So, and I think that, that moment of just understanding that it may be uncomfortable in the short term is really just going to be something that sets you up for a much longer term thing. So, and I think Graham that, you know, that quote touches on that a little bit as well, but it's also just talking about, you know, the power of working together and that comes with a bit of empathy for other people. So yeah, great stuff. Uh, well, I just want to thank everyone so much for doing this episode. It's our 99th uh, for those listening. Uh, and I, um, we're so happy to have done so many. And obviously, we've got one next week as well, which will cap off the triple figures. We'll, we'll start off uh, doing 100 there. So that's very exciting. Uh, before we go, I want to get everyone's final thoughts on empathy uh, and, you know, what your thoughts on that? So I might start with, uh, with John. What are your final thoughts on uh, empathy?
1: uh to be able to empathize with someone or you've got to let your guard down and are you prepared to do that are you prepared to to you know do something that's uncomfortable or make you vulnerable um and that's a big question but you know the social connection connectedness it leads to so many better outcomes if you can do that for someone
0: awesome thanks so much john uh, and thanks for your insights today so good so good Alan, no problem at all. Alan, uh, what are your final thoughts on empathy?
3: Yeah,
2: I guess my picture is it's like going to the gym. If we don't do the hard work and get a bit uncomfortable, we're going to stay where we are. And you know, like John was saying, when we do that work, that's when we build those connections, which are vital for us as human beings.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that as well. Yeah. It's something they have to keep working on. I love that as a little tip as well. So thanks for that, Alan. Danette, final thoughts on empathy.
3: So I think it's the greatest gift you can give yourself and another human being. And in that space, we see each other without all of the walls that everyone was talking about. So that's such a sacred space. And if we want a better world, the more empathetic we can all learn to be the better we're all going to feel and the ripple effects from that would be amazing. So great topic, Jez, and awesome conversation, everyone. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I agree. And thank you so much for that, Danette. Such a, such a good one. Um, And Graham, final thoughts on empathy.
4: Um, Just how do you summarize all of that? Wow. It's hard, messy, uncomfortable, incredibly powerful. And maybe one of the most important gifts to use Net's word that we could ever offer. So, yeah, start small, start now. Mm -hmm. Find an opportunity to empathize with somebody else today.
0: Yeah, that's a great, another great tip. And, you know, that comes a little bit, that's kind of what Alan's talking about getting that gym, the reps in and stuff. And I think that's a great point as well. We can all do it every day. And it's just, if we choose to, Um, I just wanted to sort of end with an idea that I was left with in the same podcast at the end, where they were talking about uh, the whole point of therapy. If you, if you ever go to therapy is to remove all the layers that society's put on you, that you feel like you have to achieve and being empathetic can sometimes help people do that more quickly Uh, just by being a listening ear. So uh, I I wanted to thank all of you for this conversation. It's been a really, really good one, one that I've really loved. um, And I feel like I've learned so much. I'm definitely going to give this one a listen back um, later today. Uh, I wanted to thank all of you for being on the podcast today and for your consistency in being on the podcast, because we are, as I said, approaching episode 100. And that's, I think, a really good milestone and achievement. So great work to everyone. I also wanted to let people know that are listening at home that if you go to Spotify, you can now rate this podcast, which is important because it will mean that it will show up in more people's feeds, which means more people listen to it. And that means that we can do a little bit more with the podcast. But beyond that, we want to thank everybody. Our listenership has been going up consistently. So that's all of you as listeners putting in the work and listening and telling people about it. So we want to thank all of you. Um, And I want to thank everybody on the Zoom today. What a great chat. Uh, And so until next time, have a magical week, everybody.
3: Thanks so much, Gis. Gis. Thanks,
4: Thanks Gis. John, Alan. thank Ray. you. Thanks,
0: Don. Thank you so much for listening to today's Magical Learning Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to go through our library and listen to more or check out our social media accounts on any social media platform that you like. We update them very regularly so you can find out more information about relaxing or working harder. Otherwise, we'd like to invite you to be on the podcast. If you're at this point in this podcast, we think that you enjoy the podcast enough to be a guest. So please message us on social media about being on the podcast and what topic you'd love to do. Have a magical week.